Welcome to Prepare to Care, the ARP podcast with resources and tools to support the millions of family caregivers who provide unpaid care to their loved ones. I'm Marie Pierre, your host for this podcast. Guys, I am so excited today because we've been a break for a while now and I'm happy we're back. Summer is over. We're back on track, ready and willing able to give you, our listeners, valuable and practical information surrounding AARP and our caregiving program. So a lot of things have happened this summer since our last recording, and one of them is Rosalinda Martinez. Rosalinda is a new member of our AARP family here in Houston. She's our new Associate State Director of Outreach and Advocacy. Rosalinda, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. All right. Rosalinda is a native Houstonian who has experience with caring in, uh, and, you know, with caring for a loved one. Today, uh, Rosalinda is going to share about her experience caring for her grandmother who has Alzheimer's, and we'll find out how she and her family work together as a team to help her grandmother. What Rosalinda learned, what were the struggles and triumphs, and how this experience has helped her in her new role here at the AARP Houston. Coming up on Prepare to Care. So Rosalinda, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you arrive in this position? Well, like you said, I'm a native Houstonian, so I've lived in the city of Houston, the wonderful city of Houston, my entire life. Um, I you know, grew up in the East End. Uh, went to school in the East End, went to Austin High School, University of Houston, down the street from where I grew up. And so, you know, I've always been involved in the community, have always enjoyed volunteering and really just giving back to causes that I'm passionate about. And so, you know, from, from college, that kind of led me to volunteer and be involved with organizations such as the Houston Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, um, you know, right out of college, which as I mentioned, I went to the University of Houston, I studied journalism. And so I got a job doing outreach, uh, focusing on really just empowering the Latino community to help educate them on topics such as the census. Um, and then I worked for other nonprofits. So I have a wide experience in nonprofit where again, I've worked for missions that I believe in such as advocating for small business. And now with AARP, really happy to be here just, you know, to be here and be an advocate for the 50 plus community. I know, AARP, right? Um, so I'm guessing you have, you must have, right? A passion for older folks or people just on this side of 50, right? Tell us more about that. Most definitely, of course, you know, growing up in a Latino family, my parents, you know, are from Mexico and uh, each of my parents had eight, and eight to between eight to ten siblings and so that entails a traditional hispanic mexican-american you know i'm a, I'm a first generation uh, college student mexican-american proud to be mexican-american and grew up with my grandparents living down the street um, my grandmother living next door my aunts and uncles living across the street uh, countless cousins and i say countless because i really don't know exactly how many it's we have such a big family um, and so, of course, being able to be close to my grandparents and to see them, you know, go through struggles. And, and that's why I'm so passionate about this cause, being able to witness firsthand 
the impact that you know being a caregiver has on the whole family. So tell us more about that. So we, we shared earlier in the program that your grandmother has Alzheimer. Um, what were the first signs? Like how did that come to be? When did the family realize that she was going to need some help? Well, my grandmother, you know, she's passed. It's been it's been a few years now, but uh, it it all kind of started. You know, like I said, we all lived close to each other, and so um, it was around two thousand and five when uh, we had a family uh, gathering, and a family gathering is never a small family gathering. That's thirty to forty people for just an intimate party. Oh, just a small get together. Just a small get together right. at my at my parents' home. I was still living at home at the time. I was in my early 20s, still in college. And so we were just there having a barbecue. And my grandmother, you know, was having the time of her life, dancing and and just, you know, having fun with everyone, laughing, joking. And she went home that night. And, you know, the following morning woke up and she had had a stroke. Oh, my. Of course, you know, when a situation like that happens, no one is prepared. And, you know, she lost all mobility began losing her memory ever since then. So that was around 2005. At that point, of course, with no plan of action, not really knowing the resources available, not really knowing what to do, um, the youngest daughter began caring for my grandmother at the time. So that was your aunt? That was my aunt, correct. And again, because this all happened so suddenly, there was really no time to prepare. Um, You know, we had a lot of struggles at the beginning, a lot as you can imagine. And, and and so, you know, a lot of what happened was, you know, the family initiated dialogue. They really began talking about the situation and coming up with a plan. Because, again, we, we did have a strong support system. We had a lot of family members. Not a lot of families have that luxury. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really sitting down, talking about a plan. And, again, going back to we didn't have the resources at the time. And so after many discussions and family meetings, we kind of came up with a plan um, to care for my grandmother. So you talk about having a, a large family, uh, people talking, lots of dialogues. There are pros and cons to that. There are lots of people involved in decision-making yeah. too. How did that play out for your family? Well, anytime you're talking about a, you know caring for someone you love, there, there's a lot of emotions there, obviously. Yeah. There's a lot of opinions. And so I think at the beginning it was challenging just figuring out who was going to sacrifice more time. Be, be, and it's not that it's a sacrifice. Maybe that's not the right word to use. But at the beginning when you don't have a plan, mm-hmm. it takes a struggle on the whole family. Financially, emotionally. It's just so many things that, that come into play. And, and I think that it can't feel like a sacrifice in the sense because suddenly your life is appended, right? You you were on one course and now you're on the other course. You have to make changes in schedule and how you use your time, right? Correct. And and that is a sacrifice and that, that the change is a sacrifice, yes. right? From the routine. I, I get that. Yes, most definitely. And like I said, you know, the family sat down and started with some initial discussions. And then from there... Um, really kind of seeing again at the beginning it was it was my aunt she had to stop working yes and the family saw the toll that it was taking how it was not fair and of course everyone voiced their opinions like we said at the beginning it's it's a lot of um 
figuring out what is the best decision for everyone, take, taking everyone into account. Um, and so what the family decided to do is really begin rotating evenings and weekends um, to provide free time for my aunt. You know, myself and my cousin started getting involved in, in anywhere from, we were from 18 to mid-20s, early 20s. So know. people in college age and getting started in life. Yes. So how was it to like care for grandma, right? If you were like 18 <laughs> or 20, how did that feel? You know, we loved our grandmother. Right. She was the caretaker for all of us. You know, she, when I was a child and every single one of my cousins and, and dozens and dozens would get on the school bus to head to school, she'd walk out because, again, we live next door and bring me a, a breakfast taco and my juice. And that's who my grandmother was. And she loved us. And it was just our opportunity to show her how much we loved her. And of course, like you mentioned, being at such a young age where we really are finding ourselves. Right. How do we um, really know how to care for a person? I think until you're put in that situation is really when you learn. Um, so tell me a little bit, because for our listeners who are maybe younger, you know, what tasks were worth delegating to those members of the family who were in their late teens, early 20s? Was it sitting with grandma was it what was it mostly you know it was spending the night being there to really accompany her I see to talk to her um, isolation is a big issue you know you have somebody who is you know um, obviously going through something like that and it really just being there as a moral support being mm -hmm. there to to be empathetic of what they're going through and, and more than anything I might age it was to alleviate some of the other family members right because i didn't have the the time i was a full-time college student i was also working but whatever time i could devote during the weekdays when school tasks weren't you know i didn't have any upcoming deadlines we all took turns and sometimes it would be two cousins at a time me and my other cousins um again that that wasn't uh, to to this day i see that as a luxury be having that big family that wide support here locally. Yeah, I could see that. And I think that for a lot of us, we imagine that caregiving, you know, is, you know, that, that you need like a lot of skills or, and, and I think there is some of that, but I think you raise an important issue, which is the social isolation. And, and even for family members to be able to sit together and be present uh, and tell a loved ones that they are loved and, and that we're there for them. That's so very important. Well, and it's like they say, right? Family caregiving is is it's just increasing. And, and if you are not currently a family caregiver at some point in your life, you either will be a caregiver or need a caregiver. Yeah. So it's very important to understand and, and be educated on the topic and really know that there are resources available um, to help plan accordingly. If anything from the support system to um, how to plan financially as right. well. Did your family so uh, care for your grandmother within the family from start to finish, from, from the onset of the illness to, to the end? Or, or did you guys reach out to get external resources to help out? Well, you know, it, interesting that you bring that. So most caregivers um, uh, to this day are female. Um, yeah. You know, in our family, the males were a lot, for a lot of the families, for my, my tias and my tios, the, the men were the breadwinners and they didn't have as much time. Not that they didn't want to, but they just could not afford 
to to help or really contribute their time right. and so they started contributing contributing financially um you know helping pay you know for for the um support the household of my grandmother and help support you know also that my aunt was living there but again that everyone was taking turns to really be fair for her and i think we've heard that uh you know i remember another uh person that came here to this podcast, that division, that it's not just time, it could be financial, you know, it could be that everybody contributes in different way, however they, they can do that. So Correct. And, and it's all about support. Support is the key word. And you're going to you know hear me saying it over and over, um, because that is something that really came out of here. It made the family stronger. Um, in the middle of all of this, you know, my grandfather was 89 at the time, and he got diagnosed with cancer. Oh, my. He was, uh, at the time, he'd been separated from my grandmother for decades. He was living in my home at the time. But again, my grandmother was next door, right? So you have to imagine, not too far, that it's a whole block, I'm not kidding, a family. Okay. The Martinez family. And, um, you know, at the time, so my mom was a stay-at-home, you know, mom, housewife, and she began caring for my grandfather. And so now she was the caretaker for my grandfather. I was living there, so I was also assisting as much as I could when I was not in school at U of H. And from there, rotating to go next door to help care for my grandmother. So these were the rough years for your family. They were a few rough years, but again, it made us stronger. So what my- was the, the, the total span from the, the onset of the illness from your grandmother to the time that she passed? It was about so my this happened to my grandmother in 2005 i believe two years later my grandfather got diagnosed yep. at age 89 he uh, decided to undergo treatment for about nine months so about a year later he passed away at age 90. but um you know and then after that a few probably two years later my grandmother passed away at that point the alzheimer's, the alzheimer's was so advanced sometimes she just would not recognize us and would kind of you know, have a lot of erratic behaviors, of course, that comes with, with that. But um, so it, so the challenges kept get, getting even bigger, the discussions and the family meetings. Um, but of course, you know, as a, as a Latino family, I, I think they just know, we just know that it's expected of us. Right. It's expected of us. This is, we don't see it as caregiving. We see it as, you know, just loving our family members. I understand that. So the family, you, you describe a family that really pulled together in, in, in face of what was significant adversity, right? Because first your grandmother, then your grandfather, and then this extended period of caregiving. Um, how did that experience shape you for the job that you are in now? Well, I think seeing firsthand the struggles that families like mine face and like i said that most hispanics latinos don't think of themselves as caregivers because it's part of our upbringing it it really just taught me that it is so important to be educated about this topic to know that you do not have to do this alone that there are so many resources available that there is a white community that is here to support and to really be there um, to, to advocate and that there are organizations like AARP that are working endlessly day in and day out to empower the 50 plus community. 
So looking back at your family's experience, I mean, you, what you're describing is, uh, you know, the model of the family who pulls together. Um, do, do you wish your family had reached out in, to, to some extent? Were there resources available or was it that was it that there was either no information or that they it, it didn't occur to anyone because we're a family and we have what we need? Correct. It, it, it is it is just in the middle of all of the chaos the the lack of awareness at the time and again this happened so many years ago and it was just pulling together to to use the resources that we had at the time right okay so like i'm originally from france is the same way in france right mm -hmm. like thinking for my grandmother to think that some person she doesn't know would have come to help her bathe, which was the reality at the very end of her life, mm -hmm. was extremely difficult for her, right? Because you, but our family was much smaller, so there was no choice. Um, do, how do you think, so how do you think that plays out in, in the Latino community? Um, I mean, you have the chance of having a large family where everybody was nearby, but that's not the case for mm -hmm. everybody, right? So for people who don't have that many family members around them, what do you think would be helpful? Because sometimes there's that mental block about, oh, I'm not going to go and bring a stranger in the inner circle. Well, I think it's it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. To remove that stigma of um, you just have to, to, to be able to be trusting and know that there are so many um, resources out there to, to ask and to reach out to those institutions and to um, more than anything, like I said, be willing to ask and accept the help. That's a tough one for a lot of people, right? It's very tough, but with the support, it can be done. All right. Thank you so much. So um, we just heard from Rosalinda Martinez, who is our new Associate State Director for Outreach and Advocacy in Houston. Rosalinda, if you had one thing, one last piece of information that we, you would like to give our listener today, what would that be? Well, just to reiterate what I said about support, support, support. It's so important to seek out and to be open to receiving that help. All right. You heard it, guys, from Rosalinda Martinez, our new Associate State Director of Outreach and Advocacy. I am personally looking forward to working with Rosalinda on this podcast. I'm sure you'll get a chance to meet her at events around the Houston area. She's charming and I can't wait to work with her. As always, if you thought this podcast was helpful, or if you have friends or family who are new to caregiving, invite them to follow the Prepare to Care podcast at iTunes, SoundCloud, or at www.aarp.org slash Houston PTC. Take our Prepare to Care podcast survey, help us improve future episodes, or find other caregiving, planning, and local resources to help you and your loved ones. Thanks for listening, and as always, thanks for caring.